Have you ever watched an apocalyptic sci-fi movie and wondered, could any of this really happen? I'm Carrie Bechet, and on Hypothetical, we explore what-if questions two ways, through speculative science fiction and through insight from the world's most brilliant scientists. And spoiler alert, your favorite sci-fi movies aren't nearly as far-fetched as you may think. Time travel with me into our possible futures on Hypothetical. New episodes every Tuesday available on all podcast apps. That's Hypothetical, H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L. Hey guys, it's episode 89 of Please Advise. Oh my gosh, you guys, you know what that means. That's like 11 more to 100. You guys, our guest is Sam Lansky. We met at Bonnaroo in 2013 or 14. I was trying 2013, to remember. That okay. sounds right. Yeah. So I wrote you a card and I wrote 14 and then Wait, in parentheses. I I, I, no, you can open card? it at home. Okay, card, gonna, open reading open it cards in front of people is always embarrassing. That's true. But we met at Bonnaroo and like you were like really into the pop acts and you were working there and I was there just for like leisure. I guess I was there with a sponsorship, but I was there to like go do Molly and get crazy. You in were the, there to live out loud like, in like a yeah. very real way. I was in the reggae house. Like there's like a Christmas themed reggae hut at Bonnaroo that's the best. I'm so sad I'm not going this year. But uh, Where aren't you going? I just can't go anymore. Like I don't have anyone to go. No one wants to go. Well, that's understandable. I mean, like, you know, I was like forcibly dragged to Bonnaroo. Like that was not my chosen narrative. And, yeah. Like, without you there, I would have been a lost cause. I'm spoiled. I can't camp there. Yeah, like I, no. if I were to camp there, it could only be in the RV. And like, that's literally like $1,500 a person and you have to have five people. Yeah. So no. That's not going to work. Uh, And then, uh, yeah, I have like a dollar. Just it's expensive. It would just be, it would literally, it would be probably like 10 grand. That's on insane. something yeah it would probably be 10k when all is said and done for yeah. flights for tickets for dog hair for like fucking baby wipes for water for cigarettes it would be <laughs> your bonnaroo lot. essentials yeah baby wipes water cigarettes but we saw r kelly together which it was, was a very bonding experience i would call it spiritual like i would generally like it was a transcendent spiritual experience i've never known any joy like that like seeing r kelly at bonnaroo it was really really fun do you remember seeing the security guard cry to keep it on the down low do you remember no, that i don't remember that you were the one who pointed it out to me you were like oh my god he's crying the security Security guard was yeah, crying? the security guard How was like, like bawling his out eyes out. I don't know. Cause like I, maybe you were like emotionally somewhere else, but like you were the one that pointed it out to me. You were like, oh my God, Molly, he's crying. I don't remember that. I was, I mean, it was like a fully transporting experience. Like I yeah. may have like temporarily left my body completely sober, <laughs> I should say. Like I was I was like stone cold sober at Bonnaroo, having like the most intense euphoric experience of my life watching R. Kelly like release these the doves. Right? The doves. And so wait, so there is dub balloons. At the end. I think I've spoken about this experience on Please Advise more than I've spoken about most experiences <laughs> on Please Advise. I don't blame you. But at the same time, right? Yeah. That's a, that's basically going to be, I'm good, just going to do a whole spinoff podcast where every week I relive <laughs> you it. You talk about like R. Kelly and the Dove Balloons. Totally. Yeah. Um, so, no, but then when we were at Bonnaroo, you said something interesting. You were like, last time I was in Tennessee, and it was something related to like having left a rehab, like yeah. having gone buck wild after having. And I'm this is a segue into your book, but yeah. <laughs> um, what do you do? You remember what that was? Can you say what? Oh that yeah, was? of course I remember what it was. Yeah, the last time I had been in Tennessee was after getting kicked out of a rehab in Kentucky for sleeping with my roommate. <laughs> this, <laughs> which is like you know just like a thing that is that happens, standard rehabs. Fair. Well, it was like, I mean, the particulars were sort of weird. Like I had come to this rehab from another rehab because like, they were like, no, like sister, one trip is not enough. Like we right. need to like, keep you in institutions for as long as possible. You were really young too. You were like, yeah, I was, seven, I was 17. Okay. I was 17. So I, I go to this rehab in Kentucky and, uh, I, and they put me in a room with like the only other gay kid. And it's like, what do you think is going <laughs> right. to happen? Like, let's, let's like, please join me here in reality. You know, like, <laughs> let, like we know where this is going to lead. So I, <laughs> Obviously, I end up sleeping with him. And then I felt really like guilty and ashamed about it. And I kind of like internalized this like radical honesty and transparency stuff from like being in treatment. And I was like, okay, I need to like own that this happened. And like, I need to tell somebody. And even though I was the one who 
like was honest about it. They oh, yeah. kicked me out because he'd been there for longer. And I'd only been there for like four days. And they were like, yo, like you've been here for four days and you're already like banging your way out of treatment. Like right, right, you right. need to go home, dude. Right. I was so upset because like, you know, he was being shady about it. And like right. meanwhile, here I was like standing firmly in my truth. And yet I was the one who got the boot. So the last time I was in, I was in that. And then, like, they dropped me, I think, in Tennessee. Um, and, uh, and like, my dad had to, like, fly down from New York and pick me up. Can you imagine, like, my poor father, like, having to, like, drop what he was doing to fly to Tennessee to pick up his, like, gay 17-year-old son who has just gotten kicked out of rehab for banging his roommate? Like, the darkness of that. The true darkness. Do you think that that for him was more of a mirror of, like, his decisions? Or do you think that, like, or something else? Like, I if I, because if I was in that position, I'd be, like... What did I not do? Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> you would have to ask my dad about that. Like, Have you never talked about it? I mean, we haven't talked about that specifically. specifically no. Yeah, right. That's not a memory that I'm like, <laughs> hey, let me flag this one for you because this is like a particularly luminous hey, dad, moment in our history. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, dad, just wanted to remind you about that thing I did. No, like, right. I, mean, I don't know. I, I, I can't really speak to like the extent to which he was sort of like tracking um, how his like uh, involvement as a parent was like impacting me at that time. I'm being like so careful with my words right now. Well, like, no, because when you being, say like, like so can you imagine my poor dad? I'm like, yeah, I feel bad for him, but I'm also kind of like, you know, I said to my mom a while ago, I'm like, if you're afraid of me, that's your own fucking fault. I said I'm the monster you made. And that's like, real. That's, like, that is real. You like that's your. You said, how could you be afraid of me? I am of you. Like totally. that is really just the real. And yeah, no, I don't think she sure. was really. I don't think she was saying she was really afraid of me. I think it was like you know she's a cancer, so she says things in moments. But I, I totally get it. I mean, I think like you know my my like takeaway from like basically my entire adult life is that like growing up is the point when you realize that like, even though it was your parents' fault and they fucked you up, yeah. it's still your responsibility totally. to like pick up the mess. Totally. You know? And so like, I don't know. I That's like taken me a long time to like figure out and like come well, into a place where I'm like, oh no, like this is mine to own. You know? Yeah, especially, it takes well, it does, especially at a certain point. It gets really sad. I feel like I have one friend who never really like got over, I don't know what, I, I, I mean, I feel like he's like, 34 and doing the fun employment thing and like that's so bleak and it's like i think it's like he partially expects something from his parents and i don't know what it is like if it's money or like for something to eventually come through or yeah. what it is but it's weird no that's that's not the look i'm like i'm really really grateful to my parents for like putting up with me because i was a colossal nightmare like i was i mean like i was unparentable like i there was nothing that anyone could have done but and, now you're super successful oh my god look at that i don't super successful feels like a reach i mean like i'll take it obviously i'll take so it you wrote a book it. called the gilded razor I wrote a book it's called the gilded razor it came out in january um it's about my i like euphemistically say like colorful teenage years but that's like being very very like prim about it right. I mean, like i was like a complete drug addict and like basically a sex addict and like got like sort of passed around the Upper East Side mostly with like wealthy often married older men yeah and then like went to rehab like literally a thousand times before like finally getting my shit together wow babe did you have like do you have any contact with any of those people from that part of your life still yeah, I mean, like, I do, I'm still friends with, like, some of the kids that I went to high school with. Like, some of, like, there's a couple, like, my my three girlfriends who are, like, featured kind of prominently in the book. Like, I'm all, I'm still friends with all of them. Like, But what about the wealthy older men? Like, what if you saw no. one of them on the street? Well, that's actually, um, that's, like, the sort of opening, the opening, like, vignette of my book is, like, what? Oh, my God, it's totally fine. There's, like, there's time still. No, there's totally time. Um, the like the opening sequence of the book is like I had this really weird experience when I was I was traveling on business in Stockholm and I saw this guy and I recognized him from that sort of like that like distant you know how you have that sort of like the cloudy era you yeah. know and like you see faces or you encounter people and they trigger that like vague recollection of like there's yeah. there's like a past I think version I know of you me from a room somewhere. that like yeah, yeah exactly yeah. that like was in some kind of like sketchy situation with you yeah and it was just this moment of sort of like reconciling like oh there's always going to be ghosts you know yeah. like there's like especially when you live the way i did wow. like there's ghosts fucking everywhere and yeah. like you just kind of have to make peace with that 
you know, like it's a reality. But I mean, like I would never, I would never like call up like one of those randos from like 06 and be like, hey, remember when I like stole money <laughs> out of your wallet in your Park Avenue penthouse? You keep pointing like, out to that me that great. it would be inappropriate to <laughs> bring up a terrible, painful memory to someone like, for no reason. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Thanks, Sam. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. I don't no, know, I don't I'm know sorry that I'm like apparently here. so open to it. I'm like, no way, you're no, like, right. Lean that into would your be trauma. wrong. Like, yeah. Go back and die. <laughs> No, but I uh, I think it's so interesting you said that because as soon as you started to say that, I was like, oh, God, I hate that feeling. I always feel so it's the worst like, dirty feeling. or yeah, something when totally. I see, like, a guy that I slept with and it's like, oh, God, that was such a mistake. He's such an asshole. Like, totally. that was so terrible that, like, I did that to my – I put myself through that experience. Yeah. Um, but you're right. Like, there's all – you have to forgive yourself for that. You're going to yeah. run into your past all the time. I have a really hard time, I think – Forgiving myself for being young in LA. I feel like I came here mm. when I was 22 and I just hit the ground running. So I feel yeah. like I did. I realize now I'm just growing up, but there was a period of like six months that I was like, well, I'm over. And I'm like, no, I'm just growing up. But yeah. like, I really like my, my 20s were so blown out and like so energetic and chaotic and fast moving and like successful, but also unsuccessful and just really, really crazy. Um, I feel very like haunted by sometimes like ghosts like that. Exactly. Right. Like there's, I feel like I've met all the people I could possibly meet at this point, but there's, that's not the case. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. No. And there is that kind of like weird experience when you've had, um, you know, like a chapter in your life like that, where, you know, like around every corner, like you become, you know, a person who is no longer like a giant fucking mess, you know? Right. And then, but you like have all of these like opportunities to like intersect directly with the person that you used to be. Like if you just like see somebody who like triggers that memory for you, it's very, very strange to kind of like live knowing that like around the next corner could be somebody who's going to like transport you back to like the person that you were. And also wonder, like, not forgiving yourself for whatever it is that you think that they might be thinking about you, too. Yeah, totally. You know, that's totally. real. I, I find that to be really hard. I feel like people who say like, they don't care what people think about them are pretty, like, full of shit. Oh, I never believe that. I feel no. like that's. I feel like that's really, really disingenuous. Like, I mean, I'm definitely, I skew, like, way more toward the, like, the like caring really, really deeply about what other people think right. at the end of the spectrum. And like, I think my therapist asked me recently, like, can you just like imagine what it would be like to not be like completely consumed by what other people think about you? Really? Like, yeah. No, like I, <laughs> I have no idea what that would be like, like literally no idea. Yeah. So wait, Sam, did you bring three reasons why you're qualified to give advice on today's show? Well, yeah. I mean, like I thought about it in the car. I didn't like think it through that. Um, that's okay people I should have do people come with like really well prepared things generally it depends but you know what people always do is they always announce how they prepared for it no one ever says like people always are like oh sorry like I thought about this on the way over or well I didn't really think about it or they're like well okay so I really thought about this because blank yeah and so like what I've noticed is that people no matter what always have a very they before they say this, they always like pr- present their opinion of their list before they start. Interesting. And I feel like the people who are really like, um, I wonder if it's like a mind trick they're doing. Like they're trying to be like confident about it and like make me think that their points are extra good. I, w- I didn't do that. Did no, I, okay, I feel like yeah. you did the opposite. I like people who are like, yeah. well, I really thought about this. I love giving advice. So I thought, I mean, there's yeah. people that come on here are like, well. I love giving advice, so I thought a lot about this. And I wavered back and forth on a couple points, but ultimately I came to these three. And, like, there's people that really try to sell the process, and you did the, um, this paper really sucks. Like, yeah, you're going right. to hate my yeah. paper. <laughs> totally. And then, like, oh, my God, you really liked it? Oh, yeah. thanks. Oh, my like, God, that's amazing. Thank yeah. you so much. I'm so surprised. I will um, say, like, a lot of our younger guests tend to not be prepared. They're not prepared, and they usually don't even have three. I'm so unprepared. I am unprepared. I'm young. No, you're fine. Like we've had people who are like, oh, uh, you know, they they know. I'm a Gemini, so yeah. I can give right. you both sides of the perspectives. Like, right, right, right. But that's not a bad answer either. Yeah, that's kind not of what I was going to go with. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just stole mine. <laughs> that was mine. Um, I'm okay. a Cancer, so I'm psychic. Yeah. Is that how it works? <laughs> no. Oh, no. Oh, my God. I wish. Um, okay. So reason one. 
Um, this is like another shameless opportunity to plug my book. I wrote a book. Mm-hmm. That means that I have um, discipline because writing a book is hard-ish, hard adjacent, let's say, mm-hmm. hard rising. Um, and uh, and required a lot of like deep thinking and soul searching and like evaluating myself and all of that shit. Mm-hmm. I feel like that taught me a lot about like the way people think and are. You know what I mean? That's very interesting and true. Man, thank you. Because you're very young to have already like lived a life where you've written about it. But we are all, all do that for a living kind of anyway. But yeah, yeah but like true. to have been that introspective. I mean, how old are you? 27. Do you ask? But I feel like you lived your, I mean, it's so, I, I don't know. I'm so. I thought you were younger for some reason. I don't know. I know. Yeah. It's probably 24 I get great work or something. Like great work. Honey, proud yeah. of you. Thank you. Great uh, fellers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yeah, no, sorry. I Everyone forgot. listening is going to be like Googling me now and be like, oh my God, he does get incredible work done. <laughs> They're like, who do you use? Yeah. He didn't even say who his who's doctor your, was. Who's your Come Durham? On, please advise. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so number two. Number two, um, I feel like I give a lot of advice. Like right. I feel like I am frequently in the habit of like, like I'm, I'm like a decent person to call if you're like in crisis. Like I will help you like talk this shit through. I agree that giving advice regularly is good because especially you start to notice patterns in the mm. questions people ask. Totally. And then totally. you are like, and I find that like my advice gets refined over time or like evolves based on how many times I hear the same kind of question or like, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No. The Who pa- are you giving advice to? Oh, just like friends. I feel like I feel like I have like a pretty like tight core group of friends who know that like I'm probably going to pick up the phone when they call and like I will have something to say that like may not be thinking about it in the way that they would have been thinking about it on their own. You know? Right. Um, and that brings me to reason number three, which is I have had so much therapy. And I feel like when you have lots and lots of therapy, therapy and treatment, I should say, like it really teaches you to, like you were saying, like identify patterns and behavior and think like deeply and introspectively and critically about like your own behavior and like yeah. your own actions and just become like a little bit of a scholar of your own like madness and dysfunction or whatever. Word. You know what I mean? No, I absolutely agree with you. That's great. Great answers. Man, thank you so much because I was not prepared. That was really on the Well, fly. they're really deep because you're also very you're also a very fun person. Thank you. But you also have a very deep side to you too. Not that the two are mutually exclusive, I'm but like sometimes so they come in like individual packages, flattered. you know? You're I'm welcome. so flattered by that. You're there welcome. Are any honey. like gentleman callers listening? Like, oh, are you free- single right now? I am single right now. Okay. I am single. Yeah. I'm excited to make that announcement. I'm excited to share that with the listening public. Okay. And I should also say that I recently decided that I was no longer going to like use any kind of like apps or like dating Ooh. services or anything. And I only want to be like introduced to like legitimate dudes through trusted intermediaries. Like I want the like sound endorsement of a friend who's like, no, I have a guy for you. Right. But listeners, you're also my friends. Right. In so a way they are friends. You are like your your friends that I just haven't met yet. Who's like so, your dream boy? Oh. Or man. <laughs> that's tough. That's like kind of torturous, honestly. Um you know, I, I feel like I don't really have a type. Like, I, I don't actually have a type the more I've, like, thought about it. I feel like I'm, like, I definitely went through a, a, like, period where I was, like, only dating older dudes. And, like, then I actually dated age peers. Um, I think, I don't know, just, like, guys who aren't dicks and who aren't basic. Yeah. Well, like, that's good. That's, like, that's sort of the only requirement. Do you have a looks type? Again, like it doesn't really like when I think about sort of like patterns in the guys that I've dated, like there's no real through line. Like right. it's sort of been all over the spectrum. I mean, like not super busted would be dope, but like that's beyond most that, that's true, like, yeah. you know, I'll like set the bar there because I have so much self respect. Um, not super busted is <laughs> like where I draw the line. Um, but other than that, no, I'm like, I'm just like tweet me pics, you know? Tweet you pics. Just I like, love that. Just like tweet me pics. So like Republican is okay. Like 
You know, I am not. I would. I would date a Republican. I, I can see a, that for you. Would, You're you a little Republican can, housewife. Right? Yeah, because I'm sort of <laughs> like. I mean, my. I'm like. I'm kind of. I'm pretty buttoned up at my core. You right. Know? Like I've leaned into a sort of like slouchier way of living since I moved to LA. Yeah. But like I'm like I'm I'm you know like relatively corporate. You're I pretty Upper East Side. I, I am a little bit Upper East Side. I don't yeah. think you ever lose that. My business partners from or my business my writing partners from there. Right. Um, and he just ha- it's like in him. Like he yeah. also takes good care of himself in a way that people from the Upper East Side do that not. You know, like he fucking gets facials and shit and <laughs> totally. he's like a straight yeah. 45 year old married guy yeah uh but yeah anyway so my last question is you've visited la for years and yeah. um <clears throat> before before you moved here but was there is there one thing in la that's like very hyped up that after all the years you visited and now living here like it's not it's not worth the hype whether it be a restaurant or a place or a well, activity. I would actually, I would, I would identify something that um, was like hyped as being like a huge negative that like actually turned out to like be right. complete, like completely misleading. People talked so much about the traffic, and like, yes, traffic sucks. Yeah. I would like to flag a greater LA issue that I don't believe we're doing enough to try and resolve and like pay attention to, which is parking. Why oh, do yeah. people talk about driving, but nobody talks about parking, which it's is terrible. the true nightmare. I mean, like this morning, I almost cried in the parking lot of the Whole Foods on Fairfax. Because oh, I was just yeah. Like, it was a it was an emotionally shattering experience. You should just walk on a Saturday morning. I, I mean, normally, I, normally I do. Yeah, it's yeah. walkable from my place. But I like I was like running errands. Oh, yeah. And I was, like, is it the West Hollywood one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That parking lot is awful it was like genuinely i mean like i've, and I've it's endured claustrophobic because you can't turn oh no it's impossible yeah. it's it's a nightmare i have endured some really challenging things in my life yeah. none of them worse than trying to park in la in like in west hollywood at least where i live in like fairly average scenarios and Especially, i will say yeah. west hollywood is a difficult neighborhood in general to park in because there's so many rules and restrictions so i i wouldn't necessarily uphold that as like an example of la because i feel like other parts of la it's fairly easy to get like a parking on the street within walking distance of where you're trying to go well no i mean even when i lived in hollywood like that was hell like in koreatown that's hell like you can't yeah. park in koreatown well, I, I feel that but like street parking is one thing like i under like i understand that street parking is like a luxury not a right and like i cannot expect to find like you know bountiful street parking everywhere i go if i'm going to a business and they have a lot I should be able to just like pull my oh, car yeah. in and park. Oh, like that yeah, seems yeah, like yeah. a reasonable yeah. expectation. And in West Hollywood, that is beyond it's impossible. Like, like, it's like, oh, it's like you tiny compact spaces with like, there's no way to turn. Like it's just, it is the most stressful part of my life. And I thought it was going to be like traffic and driving. Actually, it's parking. That, that Whole Foods in issue. particular has gotten a lot of play on this podcast. Has the one it really? in Venice, but that one in particular, like, is an emotional sore spot for a lot of people. <laughs> they see a lot of bad things. They emotional do a lot of bad spot things. Really, is like the way to describe it. Like, I, I was, I was like deeply unsoothed by my experience there this morning, and it was a good reminder that like I should never drive there. Like, That's it's very a new to LA, though. I want you to. Like know that because as you this is good to hear as you learn like live here you learn like oh I just can't even bring my car over there at this time of day or oh maybe I can hit back like this place or whatever like this is a better time of day for my, me to run my errands like it all starts to make sense in a different way I used to cry in parking lots all the time yeah. when I first moved here because That's I just be really like, oh like. I've been driving so for so long and like I, I just want to park and no, I'm like it's-, it's so it's so nightmarish. This actually brings me to my I had this idea for an app. I'm gonna share it with with okay. you now and like with everyone who's listening out there. If there are any like venture capital people who are like, yo, that's like the best idea I've ever heard, just like holler at me. Like I'm the available. Okay. So my idea is um there should be so like obviously there's like Uber and then there's like Google Maps and Waze that tell you like the best way to get places. Right. And there's like there's like a best parking app like that will show you like, you know, like parking garages, like where you're going. I want an app that combines all of them into one app that tells you like wherever it is that you have to go. Yeah. Should you 
Uber? Should you ask a friend for a ride? Should you drive yourself? When you get there, is there street parking? Is there valet? Are there garages? Or should you just not go? Because oh, it's literally so not fucking smart. worth it. What like, would I want, you call it? I want a like, I don't know. I was thinking about calling it don't bother because I feel like that's the most important yeah. feature is like if you are like trying to get from Silver Lake to Venice for a meeting at 530. Don't like, bother. Like I want an app that says like you need to cancel this and reschedule for a more reasonable time yeah. because it's not going to happen for you. Like don't right. bother. I feel like this could be like this is like a million dollar idea. I, mean, I like, agree, actually. More. I think that's really Wouldn't genius. Wouldn't that be really handy? I mean, all the technology is there. It just has it it needs have to be, be like integrated. To, yeah. yeah, totally. Um, okay, well, I'm ready to take our calls, are you? Let's do it. All right, I'm let's so ready. do it. Hey, Mal, this is Troy, your trap king. <laughs> um, you yelled at me yesterday about not calling with my comments, so I'm just going to call because I don't really need advice today. Um, the only advice I need is how I'm supposed to get through another week without the Real Housewives of New York City in my life. Because I've been bitten and I need more. And if being so is so wrong, then why does it feel so right, Molly? I need help figuring it out. It is like I wait all year for this. It's my favorite, favorite franchise. It's my favorite show on Broadway by far. Is Real Housewives of New York, and they just bring it. Like the Housewives were like the the openings this year were fire. They always are. New York always has the most wackadoo, batshit openings. It was incredible. Um, I agreed with you and Ed. Bethany's was very on brand. Um, Sonia's this year, I don't know if it was better than her one last year about going commando and having no relevance at all to like her personality, but it was still superb. Um, and it was just incredible. Like it was everything. Um, thoughts on the new housewife. She is too thin. I don't think Bethany was maybe the person who should have been saying that, but she looks emaciated. And, uh, I have a weird thing, even though I don't have children and I'm not married and not even a woman. I have a weird thing about, like, watching women, like, watching housewives, the way that they parent their children is so telling of who they are as people. And that woman's children are a terror. Like, they make Melania look like a nun. So I already am going to have issues with, like, watching her her children, like, be mean to her and be horrible. I hate watching stuff like that on TV. Um... I don't know what else. That's really all I had to say. And also, obviously, Southern Charm is back. Like, we're blessed because of that. Um, Patricia is a psychopath. Like I said, I'm not going to act like, as a gay man, I don't love that she carries around a pink pistol and is an alcoholic, but, like, she's still insane and has a slave quarter in her house. Um, besides that, that's really all I have to say. Obviously, I adore you. I always have and always will. You remain my trap queen, and I will see you on Snapchat, girl. Bye-bye. Okay, so Sam, tragically, you're not watching Real Housewives in New Jersey yet this season, or New York yet this season. Well, it's more than just, like, I haven't made the time to, like, really, like, sit down, invest, because, like, obviously, I want to be, like, firmly present in the whole viewing experience when I do it. Like, I'm not going to, like, do laundry while I have it on. Like, I'm going right. to be, like, very, very engaged. Yeah, no, and it's it definitely, especially this season, there's a lot going on, and a lot of, like, it's in that heightened level still that it's been for a while of, like, they're not talking about a lot of what's the truth of things because there's no way that they can put that on reality TV. Like that is so fascinating. And that is one of my favorite sort of weird Bravo phenomena is like right. when that happens that like, you know, the real, the real like drama is happening like off camera, but they can't address it in a meaningful way. So they have to like manufacture all of these like weird little quibbles that they can like blow up into giant fights. So they feel justified and like screaming at each other. It's kind of like what might be happening on a uh, live with Kelly and Michael. Have you heard totally, about that? Drama? What's yeah. going on? No. Michael Strahan is leaving. Uh, you haven't been live. following the story? No. Yeah. Oh, so this Mike is like the gripping. Yeah. So Michael Strahan is leaving live to go to GMA, but Kelly Ripa and um, the show's producer, uh, Gelman, they didn't know about it. This was like higher brass ABC planning this. And so like Kelly Ripa apparently went rip shit. And she hasn't been on the show since. And they say it was like a scheduled vacation, but that just sounds like industry talk. And apparently now it's coming out that they've hated each other for years. And like, yeah, they allegedly she just like like they told her and she was just like, okay, well, I'm not coming to work anymore. Bye. Wow. Which I feel like is a really like legendary move. Like that is like a it true is, power move a really and I admire it. Stupid move. Like I was thinking of her the other day. I she kind of needs to stay with that. There's a reason why Regis did that show even when he wasn't 
doing stuff. Well, yeah, the, there was a report. This is all alleged. You know, if Kelly Ripper wants to come on the show and clarify things, we're, we're more than welcome to have her. But um, basically, TMZ was reporting that, like, she makes $15 million a year on that show, and she spends lavishly. So she needs that show to maintain the lifestyle that she's become accustomed to. So this, like, Same. her protest is, like, pointless because she actually needs to stay on that show. To- right, right. Uh, yeah, I, um, okay, so that's very interesting. Uh, Real Housewives of New York, Dorinda and John are clearly doing cocaine. John in particular, and, like, that seems to be something that Bethany, who, there, it's weird, because Bethany and Carol are both very, very skinny. They're picking on the new girl for being skinny. Bethany has a very long, alleged history of cocaine use, like, doing it at clubs, parties, openly at I've heard stories about that for years, um, which is just stories. But then for someone who's been accused of that, you know, maybe not publicly, but like on gossip blogs and comments and and lots of stories, she then like calls John out like Loki is or like, no, she's fully. She's what like, did, you're what did lit. She, say? she said, you're lit up. She's like, let's break some rails out and like get into this because he started to like Whoa. come at her and say that she stole the name skinny girl from skinny cow. What? And that. Yeah, yeah. It was like it was very Sounds weird, bizarre. and it was a lot of like business. It was like a lot of alluding to like business deals that like are not like business deals that would ever make it on camera. Like well, they're that's like, like yeah. I mean, that's when that's when the housewives actually get fired up. I think is like they don't really genuinely care when you like insult their like integrity or like anything about them other than their business. Like yummy, if tummy. you if you fuck with the housewives' money, like you are in serious trouble because like right. they take that shit real real seriously. Absolutely. You know? So like it doesn't surprise me that like that would be fueling like the major conflict of the season. I think the sort of refusal to acknowledge drug use on Bravo shows is like deeply, deeply bizarre when like right. it's so readily obvious to like everyone who is watching. Especially like, like Jax, dude, this season with the, I mean, Jax was just visibly on Coke. On, I mean, I don't know that for a fact. I just know that from what I've seen, it's, it's that's bizarre. Visible coke and, use, right? Yeah. I mean, like it's, I just think it's baffling that like, you know, we're, we're sort of like expected to just like go along with the idea that like, they're just like drunk or like a little bit amped when people are like, obviously way more fucked up than that. Like as somebody who has had like a long and very textured career in like drug use, I can say like, it's not hard to identify like the kinds of shit that people are doing. Exactly. like the fact that it's never addressed in like a meaningful way and people always kind of talk around it is just like, why? Like, right. why, why do we need to do this? That is true. Once you've done certain drugs, you know when as soon as you see it. Like, oh, you know totally. as soon as you see it. Like, yeah, yeah, hot, yeah. Like, the world became, like, fully, like, I, the, a new layer of the world opened up to me when I started smoking pot. Like, a new lo- layer of truth. Because I was like, oh, all these people are fucking high. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no, totally. Um, but, yeah, okay. Well, which real houseway for you, may I ask? Oh, yeah, this is, like... I mean, New York or like across the board? I guess across the board. Okay. Um, I have always felt a strong sense of identification with Kim Richards because like I have had my own journey through out of back into sobriety. Like I am like a Kim at heart. She's like struggled. She's been through it. She's come out stronger for the most part. I think she's like super brave. I also think there's just like something deeply tragic about her in a way that like resonates with me on like a V profound level. And I've I see myself as like a Kim Richards Lisa Vanderpump rising. You know, do you have any personal theories on why she shoplifted? No, I I have no idea, and like I I honestly feel like a little bit squishy about like even hypothesizing. But yeah, yeah, but I guess I would say that like you know I think that I don't know like the sh- the shit that Kim Richards has been through like. I think is just so do you do you know the story? I feel like I shouldn't even say this on the air because it's I'm gonna like get the details right. But there's like this insane story that I read um about like Kim Richards, I guess fiance dying. Have you heard this? Do you know this story? Monty? No. No before Monty. No. Like, in the eighties, Kim Richards was engaged and I wanna I'm like definitely gonna like wait get the a minute. Wrong. I think I re- like her first guy ever was like murdered, right? Yeah. Okay, you're you're pulling this up, so I'm not like completely making this up, right? Okay, so like Kim Richards is on the phone with her fiance, who like I think stole some money from people or like embezzled money, some kind of like white collar crime. Yeah, and she's like on the phone with him. He's at a payphone in the valley in like Van Nuys or something, and 
So they're on the phone. And one of the guys that Kim Richards, then fiance, ripped off, walks up and shoots him in the head while she is on the phone with him. Oh, my God. The line goes dark and Kim Richards is like calling the convenience store being like, have you seen my fiance? While he's literally been shot to death right outside. Like that woman has seen Been through a lot. And like she had a very like, troubled childhood and everything they all did yeah there is so much darkness there and i find that like deeply deeply compelling and now i feel really weird about how much i identify with kim richards as i'm like talking this through more but like but like i really she has had like the darkest journey of anyone you know and like i really respond to that like because you know so much so much of what you see on on housewives i think is like fundamentally performative but like when like in Palm Springs last season when Kim goes oh, to yeah. the Palm Spring Kyle's Palm Springs house and they just scream at each other and yeah. Kim screams like you're lying and that like guttural like coming from somewhere very deep inside her voice that is like one of the most haunting well, things between I've the sisters ever seen. their oh, dynamics totally. play out so interesting it's, it's, it's like so... the most like vividly watchable thing it's like a thing. fucking Sia music video every no, interaction between the Richards so, sisters it's so, it's so dark. raw and there is so much darkness there and I think that is like I mean like you know it's fun to watch the like ridiculous drink throwing and like prosthetic leg hurling and like whatever else they want to do but like that real dark like trauma driven conflict is like more compelling than anything else on television and that's why I'm there like that's what I come to the table for is like the real raw dark shit that like those women get into yeah I do love that about Vanderpump too I used to just like when they would be but like I mean Stassi crying over the abortion, um, oh the God. Vegas abortion season one, amazing. Uh, not really amazing, but like no, there's like there's like so much like deeply compelling like real emotional shit that like they unpack on camera, and like that's that's why I'm tuning in. Even the darkness of James's relationship with Ugh. his mother, and then maybe oh not even God. her really his him even realizing because he's still so young, him not totally. really fully realizing how demented yeah. their relationship appears anyway yeah like the way that they talk to each other is crazy yeah well um, i i like have talked a lot about like sheena's understanding or lack thereof of oh, like yeah. alcoholism and addiction like this season which i just thought was like one of the most spectacularly like fucked up and sad things yeah. i've ever seen i mean like i just like my heart wept for that poor kid because she was just like not the one to be like being supportive in any way, shape, or form. And I mean, like she he needed all so of his hard. friends to come over to talk to his own wife. It was like, so bleak. Yeah. So bleak. Yeah. Um well, Troy, I don't think we addressed all of <laughs> we your didn't questions. The question at all. But well no, I mean he just I think Troy Troy and I have a Snapchat relationship. I think yeah. he just was calling because he wanted to hear some thoughts on Real Housewives, yeah. but I don't I mean I don't know. I think we gave thoughts Let's on Let's let Real it Housewives. unfold. Yeah. yeah I, absolutely. Yeah. I, I I think he just wanted you guys to like have a jam sesh about <laughs> some Real Housewives. Real I feel Housewives. like we did that. Wait, uh, you didn't say which one you are. Oh, I didn't know I was I'm Bethany. Are you? Yeah. I see that. Yeah. I see that. Which one would you say I am? Uh, Maybe one of the ones from the new one. <laughs> no. Real Housewives of um, I don't know who the fuck you are on Real Housewives. You don't you're watch? Not, Caroline Manzo is who you are. Oh yeah, oh, don't yeah. you don't mess with my family. Is your stern family? Yeah. yeah, my family. You're yeah. stern and you're about that. your morals. I see that. That's beautiful. <laughs> I feel closer to you. I haven't. Yay! Knowing that about you, um, I haven't Manzo. watched in a while. So yeah, yeah. It's like I mean. Some of the franchises have sort of like gone off the rails, I think. But like Bev, I'm always going to keep coming back to Beverly Hills. Like I'm excited for Jersey to come back. Are you? Yeah. I dropped off on Jersey. I mean, I yeah. guess this is going to be like an incredible season given like, I mean, like that's what I'm talking about though. Like I feel like Bravo telegraphs this image of sort of like light, fluffy, aspirational like, whatever what? and like yeah and like there is the most like wrenching darkness being played out Russell in the Armstrong lives of killing these himself totally i mean mm-hmm. like that's the kind of shit that like you know i don't know that's what i really respond to and i think like people when they talk about it as this like ridiculous escapist fantasy like fun pink bright thing are like totally kidding themselves because like there is some darkness happening on bravo it's a healthy dosage of both Totally. It's like yeah. sometimes you just want to see two women throw wine at each other, but then you get this side of darkness that you never really expected. Absolutely. By the way, how offensive was Brandy's being sober isn't fun shirt? I like I I like can't even really talk about that. I mean like her her like 
I don't know, her presence on this show, like this last season, I didn't really know what that was about. She like, makes I didn't know, me nervous. She makes me very uncomfortable. I used yeah. to root for her really hard. Oh, same. Because, season two. Like, season yeah. two, I was like totally checking for Brandy, but like there's something, something kind of unsettling is playing out there that I'm not really checking When she for. hit Lisa, I was like, come on, girl. Like, yeah. come on. No, it was, it, it made me feel like V skeeved. Okay, let's take our next call. Hey, Moss. Um, it's Amanda. I have called in before um, when I went through a really bad breakup. I'm the one with the kids. I don't know. You were awesome to me. Um, and I have another conundrum for you. So I started seeing this guy like a month or so ago. Um, we worked together, which that's not the problem. Like people at our company, like it's very like liberal. Everybody's hooked up with each other. Not a big thing. Like, um, so I've known him for like two years. He's like a really good guy, like a really decent, good person. Always like has treated girlfriends really well that I've known. Um, I've never looked at him in like any other way, but we, I don't know, there was just something happened. There was like this vibe between us. We ended up hooking up, um, and then continued to hook up like the past month. So my question is, I, I don't know how to interpret things. I don't know if I'm just being a crazy person or if my gut feeling is right. Um, like, it was super hot and heavy the first few weeks, like, texting me constantly, like, texting me from his desk to tell me how good I looked that day, like, all that. It was great. I was super into it, like, got super into him. He was like, I don't play games. I'm never going to, like, do this to you or do that to you. I'm not fuck boy. Like, I just want somebody to, like, be with and hook up with and that I like. I thought everything was great. Um, and, like... Last week, like, last Monday, he asked if we could, like, be exclusively seeing each other. We're not really telling people yet, because I want to wait until it's much more serious to tell people, but, like, are we exclusively at least, like, sleeping together and seeing each other? We both agreed, like, yeah, sounds great. Since then, like, it's been almost no contact. Like, we have plans on Fridays, like, something came up with his family or whatever. You know, I was disappointed, but whatever. Said he was gonna text me this weekend. Didn't text me all weekend. I've like outright asked him a couple times. I've been like, "Are you still into this? Like, do you still want to do this?" And he's like, "Yeah, just like stop tripping. I like you. Like, blah blah blah." But I just have like a feeling like before he had said, "You come to my house anytime." Like all this stuff, and then but like we're not hanging out now. So I feel like I've asked him like multiple times, and he tells me everything's fine, but like something feels off to me. And I don't know what to do here. Like, should I just completely lay low now? Because I feel like I've made it really clear. Like, hey, I'm into you. I'm going to hang out all the time. Do I just, like, lay low here and not do anything? Like, does it get to a point where I finally just, like, really confront him and be like, dude, you said you wouldn't do this, and now you're doing the thing you said you wouldn't do. Like, I need – I just don't want to be wondering what our status is or if he is into me anymore. So – what do you think I should do, Mal? Sorry, that was super long. I'm just really frustrated. So um, any advice you give me would be really awesome. Love the pod and love you. I just watched Malls like shake her head in exasperation like I have never seen before. <laughs> like you were not having any of that. You were not having it. Well, I just like I think that Amanda is a single mom. It sounds like she's a good heart and like honestly like she doesn't have time for any of this. Like no. she can't be like shitting where she eats. She's a single mom. She needs to get her paycheck. Like I really it sounds like her last I remember her last breakup. It wasn't even that long ago. Yeah. She called in in an August episode. I can't remember it was called episode 56 and she has three kids. Yeah. I just, I think that you have a good heart, Amanda, and you need to find someone that's going to want to like, that's, I I just, this, it sounds like this guy's definition fuckboy. I don't understand his deal. It seems like he was really overbearing and then he is now ghosting you. Like what? I don't understand the combo. I understand one or the other, but I don't understand the sudden change of heart. Yeah, alarm bells are going off for me too. I feel like he is a total fuckboy. And like, I mean, also just like whenever somebody is sort of like articulating that stuff, like, no, I'm not a fuckboy. Like that's when like my red flag goes up. Same thing. Like you shouldn't have to say that. And like, 
more importantly, I don't know, for me, like, I've always found there to be something like really, really kind of demoralizing about having to like go to people that I'm involved with and being like, hey, are you still into me? Are you still into this? Because like, they're not. Yeah, the answer like if, is they're not. And like, you kind of always have to trust your gut, I think. I don't know. Like, when I look back over like all of my like sad, depressing, like, you know, experiences with guys, like, you know, one of the common threads through it. Not to say that, like, your experience is sad and depressing, Amanda. Right. Like, you know, mine is, let me say. Um, but, like, one of the common threads is that, like, I don't know, I just, I didn't listen to those instincts. Like, right. you know, my, like, I knew, I already knew what the outcome was going to be. I already knew what was going on. Like, you can read people's energy, especially when, like, you're sleeping together and you're spending a lot of time together. Like, right. you know, you know what's really going on. And, like, I don't know, I, like... I can get busy in my life, but I've never been so busy that like I can't text somebody back if I'm really into it's them. It's weird, especially if it's like your girlfriend slash coworker. And I, you know, I, uh, I don't, I don't know. I just think that on the flip side of what Sam is saying, anytime a relationship has started really great, I've no, I've had no question about whether or not the guy was into me. Like yeah. he's been calling me, he's been texting me. If he hasn't been doing those things, he's been communicative about why he hasn't been doing that. Um, you know, when you have to check in with a guy, like it's not a great sign. Like, and you also like they then they, they use it against you and they act annoyed by it. Like you called too much or something. When really, like you're just looking for some validation because you're confused. Like I think, feel like. Yeah, yeah, that's like manipulative fuckboy 101 is like to set you up to be like sort of this like Annoying. nag. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, you know, who's like too needy by like setting expectations that like the dynamic is going to be a certain way and you'll have like a certain level of like communication and validation coming in from them and then withdrawing that and then being like, why are you being so crazy? You're exactly you know? right. You're I hate exactly that right. But you know what the one thing is, is that it's weird that he was so into you in the beginning. I can understand you know, hooking up with a coworker and having it be like, mm, you know, that was fun. Um, and then seeing him retreat or bolt because he was like, you know, like uh, we're just around each other all the time. But it seems like he was the one that was really pushing to the fact that like you, I thought had an, an, an adult mature reaction to like him being a little bit annoying at work. Like you weren't into the flirting, like constant texting when you're trying to do your work at your desk. You weren't into that. Yeah, I think it sounds like you are being totally reasonable and like mature and chill about this. And he's being like basically the worst and like you should just cut it loose. Yeah, Amanda, I really want to know what it is. There's something he's hiding from you. And when you find out what it is, you will find out what it is. Please call us and let us know. What do you think it is? I don't know. I I, I, I tend to think honestly with unexplainable behavior. A lot of times I think drugs. Interesting. Interesting. You said that on a recent episode actually. And I thought that was very wise because – Interestingly, even though like God knows drugs are like a huge part of my story, like I never think that like that is what's going on. Like right. it never occurs to me that like that could be the explanation. Well, I just know so many people that are like these people that for one reason or another you wouldn't expect, whether yeah. it's like, oh, you're broke, you can't afford expensive prescription pills, or like, oh, you're like you're an adult person with kids, like your shit's together. Like yeah drive a BMW and like are always at parties on time. Like, what do you mean? Like you are addicted low key to like 20 Norco a day. Like I've seen people pull shit off. So that's real. No, that's, that's a really good point. I'm, I always tend to just ascribe it to like, people are like so fucking temperamental and like difficult and like, you know, especially in the beginning and especially with, with guys who are not like emotionally mature and sophisticated enough to be able to like handle an actual relationship. Like they're just always fucking scouting for like the thing that's going to turn them off so they can go. Yeah. You know, they have like high alert up for like whatever they want to use to as evidence for like why it's not going to work. The ideal guy for me won't even know the words fuck boy. Uh, like it won't even be like a, a vo- like thing in his vocabulary yeah. because like it wouldn't occur to him to even be reading something that would say fuck boy on it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Totally. And if they heard it, they'd be appalled by it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let's take our next call. All right. Hey, mom. <laughs> and Christina. Um, so like, it's a weird that I view you guys as my older sisters like I look up to you guys so much but you guys ignore me slash don't always exist much like a real sister would do um anyways I am 19 years old and I have a question about sex and how important it is in a relationship because I've never been in a relationship slash never had sex 
Um, like, the only experience I have was, like... Like, listen, there were so many hot guys in my school. I pretty much blew my way through high school. Like, if you were hot <laughs> and you asked me, I would have... Mo- I, like, I'd be like, yeah, for sure, my pleasure. Just buy me some chicken tenders first. And that was, like, my entire high school slash, like, sexual experience. Um. Anyway, so currently my situation is that, um... I have a crush on this guy who's, like, slightly older and, like, obviously experienced. Um, so, uh, for future reference, and here's the plot twist, how do you let a guy know that you're waiting till marriage, unfortunately, for all parties involved, but you're, like, down with going down on him? Um, if it, like, like, what do guys think? I don't know what guys think. Like, I'm super clueless. And I don't know what to expect. And, like, how do I not freak him out? And how do I, like... Like, I guess if he weren't cool with that, I would just dump him, right? But then, like... Would most guys not be cool with it? Again, absolutely no clue. But anyways... Love y'all. Love the pod. Keep working it. Um, bye! Oh boy! I love that she called us her older sisters. I know. I and I love I how spirited she is. Yeah, she does feel like a younger sister to me. Where I'd be like, "You blew a guy for some fucking chicken tenders." Like we've get all been there. Some standards, Listen. bitch. <laughs> she Listen. blew her way through high school. She's. I. I mean, which is like you know, do you, girl, and blew legit. me away in the process. Like but I really am. like hold a little more value than some chicken tenders. <laughs> I don't know. Like you're worth it, girl. I love her. I think she's, I think you're great. But you know, if you enjoy chicken tenders that much. I'm wondering, this is, I, I don't know. I used to not understand it. Like when people in the real world would say it when I was in high school, middle school, and they'd say it's almost more intimate to go down on someone than it is to have sex with them. I didn't understand that. Now I'm kind of older. I agree. Yeah. Mm. Like, oh yeah. That's a lot to put your mouth on someone's privates. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Like that's a lot to ask. It's a lot to do. It's also like you're not, you know, you just have to fully be in the moment and like know that someone's like face to face with your junk. Yeah, it's a lot. So I just I uh, I'm surprised that's like your uh, I I, what do you think it is? Do you think it's like a religious thing? I would guess so. Yeah, I actually this is like you're going to look at me like I'm a literal alien because like this is so foreign. No, you're like I totally agree. No, but I, I have a couple of close friends who are waiting to have sex until they get married. Okay, And I think it's like I think that's like totally legit if that's if that's your thing, if it's like a religious thing or like, you know, for whatever reason. Like, you know, I think there's no there's no shame in that. I mean, I think like conventional wisdom would be to say, like, you know, anybody worth your time is going to understand that, like, that's where you're coming from and like that that's your journey and like they can either like get on board or not. But I also think it's worth noting that, like, there are a lot of different ways to like experience intimacy and like enjoy sexual contact without actually having sex. Right. And like as evidenced by your like blowjobs for chicken tender story, like there's, you know, you can like do whatever you want to do if you, you know, and like sort of set the boundary where you want to set it and like have a really good time short of that boundary, you know, and like there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a boundary. Do I think that most guys are going to think that this is at least a red flag? Yeah, I do. I do think that, and I'm not saying that you have to have sex. I'm just saying it is, if it was, no sex, I would understand that. If it was, like, hand jobs, I would understand that. But, like, you are, in fact, doing something very intimate. So totally. the no vaginal sex thing, it's almost like one of those – it is. It's like an old, like, Catholic cliche. Like, oh, you're, like, an anal and blowjob whore. Like, because <laughs> you don't use your vagina. And it's, like, and therefore you're a virgin. I just am con- a little bit confused with the logic. And I feel like especially most older people will be. Yeah. Um. And there's nothing wrong with having uh, boundaries and standards and and all sorts of uh, moral goals for yourself or whatever, but um, just be really clear on why you're setting them. I think, like, when you're younger, like, I think it's really fucked up how parents get these, like, kids to, you know, wear promise rings and, like, promise their virginity or whatever away when it's, like, you don't even really understand what you're talking – like, you're not old enough to really understand what it is you're – giving away or like ref- like promising yeah. to never give away um you haven't been put in any real world situations i feel like that's almost 
um, taking advantage. So I just, uh, yeah, I just think that make sure you know why you feel that way. Because you didn't explain it. Like, so you didn't explain it to us. And so just hearing, like, this is my thing that I just chose, um, that does sound weird to me. Yeah. Um, but maybe you have a really good explanation. Well, I also think like, you know, when, when you're sort of like considering what to do with a partner too, like it's worth, you know, I think like a lot of people, you know, if they are like inclined to hold out for sex until marriage for religious reasons, like they're more inclined to find a partner in their church or within like a, you know, from a similar religious background, who's going to like understand and have a context for why you're doing that. If you met this dude in like a secular context, like he may not have, um, the sort of like he may not really be able to understand and like it may take a little bit of time to like sort of explain to him and like he may not be down with that you know right. I mean, like that may not be something that's of interest to him like hopefully if he's like you know patient he'll like get it and yeah. be like willing to ride it out with you but i think like you know there is a reason why you know people are people like sort of seek out partners who have like similar value systems absolutely and it's because like it makes conversations like this a lot easier sex is very important in a relationship to answer your initial question it's actually probably one of the most important things totally it's something that will be there for you like no matter what and it's like the one thing you can do to like always jumpstart your relationship and physical connection but like um when you do it is not necessarily important so you're allowed to Wait for wait till you're married to feel connected to someone, but it's still it's going to be something that you're going to want to make sure that you have chemistry with that person no matter what. And it's once you're married to them, you're fucking them for the rest of your life, allegedly. So yeah, that's real. I do have two points. Yeah. One, I think you should also be very aware of your sexual health because you can get sexually transmitted infections from giving out blowjobs. That's a good flag. Um, giving them out. Yeah. Well, not giving. I didn't. You yeah. know what I mean? But, like <laughs> we're doing blowjobs or whatever the kids yeah. say. Um, so just be aware, please get tested. Like you can, like you can, they transmit that way as well. So I just want you to be aware of that. The second thing is that when do you guys think she should disclose this to people that she dates? Like third date? Second, third date? That's sort of where my head goes too. I mean, like, I don't think you need to like advertise it straight out, but like, I think that, you know, like when you were getting to the point where there's enough of a sort of like foundation of emotional intimacy for it to be like safe to talk about that and have that not be like deeply jarring for him. Like, I think that's when you do it. Quickness of sex is so heightened though, too, when you're like that, when you're like 19, 20, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I would like. I would, I, maybe I would sleep with someone the same, I don't know, nah, I think I slept with people on first dates, but never like one night stand necessarily, but I, um, I mean, I make guys really wait now. Like I really like interview someone before I sleep with them now. I feel like that comes with experience though. Like, I don't know. I feel like, and like God knows I am like far from puritanical about my sexual values, but like, you know, I wish that I had understood when I was younger that like, you know, there was something um, that like I didn't have to be so incredibly permissive with like my you know sort of sexual boundaries, and that like there were other ways to like develop intimacy with someone besides just like banging them straight away. You know, at but, the like, same that time, that takes a though, long time to figure out. It would just suck to be old and not be able to go back in time and bang all those people when you were young and hot. You That's know what I really- mean? Like at least like you were young and you were hot back That's then, really and point. like you know people really saw point. you naked when you looked the best and yeah. stuff. Totally. It was funny because when I was back when I was back home, my brother asked me. He was like, he held up like a younger picture of me from when I was like twenty two, and he was like, "What would you say to her?" And I was like, "Be more slutty." Like, oh wow! <laughs> like I, I should have enjoyed it more. It was yeah. just like, but you know, be safe about it because, like you said, like it's the best you're gonna look. Well, hopefully not. But what did your I brother mean, say to that? He was like, "I probably would have told myself the same thing." <laughs> That's Interesting. Cute. We're a very sexually healthy family. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, they I are. Sexually, I'm like, I'm looking at you. I'm like, yeah, they're really sexy. <laughs> like, what is so that? What is the connotation of that? I mean, it's just yeah. like we're very comfortable. <laughs> we're very comfortable. With talk- like, we don't have the, like, Catholic. Um, no. Like hang up, so talking about sex or like you know, I wouldn't think of myself as a whore or feel bad if with the number of people. Your I've parents slept with. have a really good sense of humor, and oh like, yeah, they embarrass me with their like sex talk. Like I was telling my dad was was in. I'm laughing, but I shouldn't. My dad was in the emergency room when I went went back to New York two weeks ago. Um, he had extreme pain. He's fine now, so thank God. 
or well, I'm an atheist, so that didn't make any sense, but I, whatever. Whatever. It's a comforting <laughs> expression. But when he finally got his little morphine shot, he was just saying, like, I want sex in the emergency room. <laughs> and then we were on the phone with Truth my mom. We were on the phone with my mom, and he, she handed him the phone, and he's like, high on pain, kill, pain pills. And he's like, I may not be able to get it up, but she can at least play with my balls. And I'm like, Dad. <laughs> So I mean, <laughs> Willie. Yeah. Oh my God. Jeez. Those are my parents. You guys. That is really funny. Yeah. But yeah. No. I mean. Uh. Yeah. I think you're gonna be. I think you have a fun life ahead of you. I'm excited for you. 19 years old. Keep us updated. This is another one. Three two three four five zero seven four zero eight. Sometimes you guys call and you say lots of intriguing things, and we bring up lots of like counterpoints to you, and then you never call back and tell us what you yeah. think. And I don't know if it's I want to know. I want to scare know you, or if we missed the point, or what happened. But um, call us back and let us know what's going on. Ask please advise at gmail.com with your voice notes or three two three four five zero seven four zero eight. Let's take our next call. Hey, Miles. This is Essie. I've been a huge fan from South Africa forever. Um, I thought she'd be Oprah by now, and I'd be a four-daisy, and we'd all live happily ever after, or whatever. Um, Okay, so there's this guy that I'm really into, and he's from Texas, and he's out here in South Africa to teach kids who have been infected or affected by HIV-AIDS. I, on the other hand... Um, and associate management consultant. All I do is work and think about my career. And he's such a good guy and a man of God. And my own beliefs aren't that strong. I mean, he's the real deal. And I'm the fake deal. He's 34 and I'm 24 and looking for something. And he's looking for something serious, you know. And is it selfish of me to date him even though I know he's going to find out that I am a terrible person and I don't mean that in a self-deprecating way but I'm young and it's the me show you know um but also at the same time I'm just drawn to this light in him and I know that I am in no way willing to change who I am am I wasting his time should I let him go? Am I the worst person on earth? Thanks. Bye. Well, Christina was just saying this. We were all just kind of saying this after. Well, first of all, you're awesome. Yeah. Can I just say, like, I love we you. love you. We I can all tell love you're you. like soulful and thoughtful and just like, I'm really into it. And really girl, it. you are an old school fan. Damn. You like pulled out some old references. But what <laughs> I, I will know. say is that we, Christina was saying, we hate it when you beat yourselves up. It makes us really sad when people, I mean, you actually w- were really quick to clear it up in a way that I thought was like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. And I figured that that's what you were saying. It just is, it's harsh to hear. I think I did it a lot and I didn't understand why people who were older than me were like, Jesus, when I would be like self-deprecating when I was younger. But yeah. I'd be like, oh, like, I'm literally the worst person. Like, I'm literally, I'm terrible. And like, no, I'm not. Like, <laughs> the worst person is a person you haven't even met. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's, but what do you think about this? Oh, I have so many thoughts about this. Well, so first of all, I think that like, I mean, I I got like little chills when you said like it's the me show because like that is yeah. so real. But I also think that like the fact that you have that level of self-awareness around like, totally. you know, I mean like we're all, I, I shouldn't say we're all, like I'm sure there are people in their like, you know, early to mid 20s who are like, you know, really, really giving and like generous of spirit. But like I was definitely like even more narcissistic and self-involved than I am now, which is saying something <sighs> when I was 24. Yeah. And- I feel like, you know, that the fact that like you know that about yourself means that like there's an opportunity there to change and grow and have that be like a flexible characteristic if you want it to be. Yeah. You know, which is not to say that you have to. Like there's nothing wrong with having it be like all about you right now. You're young, you're building your career, you're really, really focused on that. Like all of that is dope. And I think shutting yourself off from this guy who is like, at a sort of different developmental stage in his life and has other stuff going on, isn't necessarily like, you know, who's to say that like if you did kind of open yourself up to this, that you guys wouldn't be able to sort of like grow and develop and like grow up a little bit in tandem, you know? Like there's no there's no reason why just because like this is where you are right now, that doesn't mean that that's where you're going to be forever. 
Yeah, I I completely agree. And I also think it's a really good point that she's very, I mean, she's super self-aware. They do, like, I always think of the expression, like, a narcissist can't say they're a narcissist. And I know that you weren't suggesting that you're a narcissist, but it can't really be that the me show if you're even tuned into the fact that it's like that. Uh, That said, I also think it's different than, for example, the previous caller, uh, you know, saying, like, I'm not a fuckboy. Like, I think you're it's different than than that, too, because I feel like you also are just um, you're you're not saying that for your personal gain in any capacity. Like if you were, you're being um, rather selfless and admitting that you're not in the right place in your life. I'm I'm impressed. I think that, you know, honestly, I think I say go for it. And if he, if he is the things that you say he is, this religious man from Texas with a high moral ground that's looking for a wife or whatever else, then he will like, you know, respectfully tell you that he's not interested in it. Um, Maybe, you know, Maybe he's someone that you would consider, like, if, I don't know, exchanging emails with and going to visit in the States, like, when you when he comes back here, I guess, like, instead of trying to hook up there, like, maybe trying to get something going. I don't know. I feel like you can, there's, like, a way to kind of spend time together without sort of, like, having to put labels on it or necessarily, like, determine what the parameters of the relationship right. are. But I think, like... I don't know. To me, this feels like you're selling yourself short a little bit. Like, I think that, you know, the way, even like the qualities that you described about him, like, you know, being a man of God and like, you you see this light in him, like these are like relatively evolved and like kind of self-actualized things to like identify in a person. Like you're not talking about how he's like super hot and like makes a ton of money or something. Like you're talking about, you know, like qualities that actually matter, you know, in like a kind of meaningful way when you're considering a partner and like the kinds of people that you want to draw into your life. And I feel like that's really like you should take note of that and like give that the sort of space that it deserves rather than sort of like dismissing your own kind of priorities. However, do you know that he is these great things because he's told you that? Mm, that's because real. That's I a good point. I think that like I think that I I've dated guys before that I'm like, oh, he's way too good for me. And the reason why is because he's fucking told me that in not so many words, but like basically that's really so set true. himself up to be like oh, I love to do this charitable, like, thing. Like, oh, like, no big deal. Like, I just swing by. Like, just try to drop off a couple hundred bucks to, like, the charity on the corner sort of thing. Like, this, like, good guy thing where it's, like, they planted in there when you, and, like, those guys are usually the most narcissistic. Like, yeah. People yeah. who do good things don't brag about them. Yeah, they just for do sure. them. Yeah. I don't I don't get the sense that this guy is like this. I mean, if he's like if he's over there, there's a big difference between like, you know, dropping off some money at like a charity and like, you know, making a big production of it as opposed to like literally going and like volunteering to help kids affected by HIV and AIDS in Africa. Like Don't that's, you feel like a lot of the volunteer hashtag volunteer life people you know though are like low key really selfish and oh, just totally. forever trying to find themselves? Yeah. And like, don't you feel like the 34 year olds that you know that would drop everything and go move to South Africa to help um, children that were affected by AIDS? Um, don't you think that those are some of the most mentally ill and narcissistic people you know? <laughs> like, those are some of, like, the craziest people I know. I don't feel like I have, like, particular examples from my own life to be able to cite, to be like, no, like, that person was actually, like, a monstrous lunatic. But, like, I definitely <laughs> I definitely think that, like, I don't know. You know, I think I trust that this caller has a pretty good radar to be able to, like, sniff out bullshit. And, like, if he's not full of shit and he's, like, a good dude... Then, like, I trust her. She does sound pretty good. Yeah, she does. She sounds she? like she's got her shit together. Yeah, totally. So I feel like I feel like she should lean into it and just like travel lean the journey, in, girl. Yeah, lean right in. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for listening to episode eighty-eight of Please Advise Sam Lansky. Thank you so much for being here. People can find your book, The Gilded Razor on booksellers everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, and we're going to give away five copies to you guys at my discretion. If I like what you're saying on the podcast, I will send you uh, one of Sam's books. I think you gave us like five of them or something. Mm-hmm. So um, it'll be the summer of uh, asking good questions in order to get books, you guys. Okay? Love that. I'm going to smell train you all. I don't know how, but I will. smell. I'm going to smell train you. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam Lansky, people can find you at Sam Lansky on Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. And on Snappy. Do you want people to follow you? Please. You please. were on Snappy 
years ago and in 13 when we were I at was, Bonnie you I were was. on Snappy that's true that's yeah. true and then I sort of dropped off and now I've like picked up my game a little bit are you Sam Lansky on I am I am okay. please I'm Mal's me. official Christina's Hey K Lopez you guys can find Please Advise on iTunes you can find us on SoundCloud we're also on Acast right now which is really awesome we're excited to be partnered up with them um you can find us on twitter facebook all of that social media stuff instagram we try to put fun nuggets on there for you guys and uh yeah thanks so much for listening i'm molly mcalear have a great week bye bye 